Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Forgotten Football Club's podcast. I'm your host for this episode, as usual, Rory Bryce, and I'm joined, as per usual, by the author of the book, Phil Rock. Phil, how's it going, mate? What's up, Rory? All good. Um, just enjoying the L lawyer summer. Uh, a lot of rain, <laughs> no sun. The four months of rain then, you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's uh, lashing uh, out now. We've been the exact same. It's been biblical the last few days, the amount of rain that we've got. But, I mean, there were water shortages apparently in the lead up to that, so that, that can only be a good thing, I guess. Um yeah, we, we had our we had our two weeks of summer at the uh the end of May start of June, so I think that's it for us at the moment, I'm afraid. Lucky you, two weeks. <laughs> we <were laughs> three days. Um yeah, I look it it is it is what it is. And uh, July is usually an all right one. Actually, do you know what? It's usually September when it's really good because that's when all the kids go back to school. And again, mm. the weather actually becomes good. So uh, I was going to say that actually, it's normally like end of August, beginning of September. There's like it's a little bit cooler, but the weather gets quite nice again. It's quite sunny and there's a nice like breeze, and it's it's actually quite refreshing. Uh, and obviously, as you say, the kids are all back to school, so it's a bit more peaceful, mm. uh, a lot quieter. There's not wind running about everywhere. So, um, yeah. Anyway, let's let's talk about the football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh, this week, Phil and I are back with another two club episode. We are going to be discussing two teams that were featured in the book. They had reasonably large chapters compared to some of the other two club teams that we've covered that were quite small. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be covering, first of all, Polish team, Lesia Polonia Gdansk. I think that's a pretty good pronunciation. I think I nailed yep. that one. Um, and we are also going to be covering Hungarian club Budapest VSC. So those are the two clubs that we're going to be discussing today. Um, it's just going to go through absolutely everything to do with them. Uh, everything that Phil noted in the book. They're quite interesting clubs. The Polish team in particular weren't around for very long at all. And in fact, they only had a, a reasonable, in fact, a very, very short existence. Mm. Uh, the team from Budapest were around for much longer. So we'll get stuck in. Um, we'll go through all the common themes that we normally do. Uh, and we'll just have a good chat about them as well. And just generally shoot the shit as per usual, as we always do. But before we jump into that though, Phil, how are things going with you anyway? You all good? Oh, good, yeah. Um, booked a, a little cheeky trip to Milan, uh, so hopefully getting over to the Milan Derby uh, in September. Nice. Probably the second last one that will mm. be in the San Siro. As we know, the San Siro is getting demolished, uh, I think it's this season, uh, or, or next summer it's being demolished. Is that correct? I think so. I, I remember when the when they played each other in the Champions League. Oh, no. Did they play each other in the Champions League? Yeah, 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 they, yeah. yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, I wasn't making that up. Um, people were saying, "Oh, you know, it's going to be the last Milan derby in the the San Siro and stuff." But I don't think that was true. Um, maybe they meant European. Maybe they meant European. But maybe it's been delayed. Uh, yeah. We all know it is going to be demolished. But um, it's it's maybe it's been delayed. I don't know. Yeah, but maybe. It's going to be a pity when it does go. And I need to. I need to see the San Siro before it goes. To be honest. You do. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things. I mean, unfortunately, just, um, you know, mainly money over anything else. Uh, probably won't be able to see it, unfortunately, before it goes. But that's why you're going over so you can take photos and show me and, and I can uh, live vicariously through you. Uh, that is, of course, the plan. Uh, no, yeah, that's good to hear. Obviously, um, Scottish League Cup's kicked off now. The Scottish League will be kicking off a week on Saturday. We've got, we're, I mean, we're deep into the European qualifying rounds now. Um Obviously, the Irish teams have kind of been a mixed bag of results. Yeah, well, I mean, look, not a great one for my St. Pat's uh, going out to 
Luxembourg side, no disrespect, uh, but the Pats would have expected to beat them. And of course, Rovers getting knocked out by um the Icelandic side. Yeah. Um, which kind of mix well, not mixed emotions. I'm delighted that they're out. Um, because we we do have a fondness uh, for Icelandic clubs at the moment uh, on this podcast and anything Icelandic. Um, so quite happy for them. And of course, uh, a club that we have featured on the podcast and in the book, um, Acuri, um, or yeah, as, as they're, yeah. they're known now in the in the identity that they are in now, uh, IB Acuri, uh, they've they've progressed. Uh, in European competition, so always good. We we always look out for any club um that has featured on our podcast and uh, in the book that are in their own identity at the moment. Um, and we we look out for the results. Same with Chester Aldershot, although of course they're not in Europe. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, both clubs uh, have started their preseason preparations, and uh, yeah, we look forward to following uh, them throughout the season. Yeah, we've got quite a few clubs to follow now and, and keep an eye on, obviously, because we've been doing this over the summer and speaking to so many interesting new people, uh, especially just, you know, towards the end of last season and at the beginning of the summer, uh, we've got loads of clubs to keep tabs on now, so that's going to be interesting. But uh, obviously, you know, uh, you guys are a summer league, so you've you've had football continuing, uh, whereas, been, whereas for myself, it's been uh, a nice wee break, but I'm very much looking forward to coming back. You know, that way when you're, you're sitting at night and you're a bit bored, you're like, I'll stick on a game. Uh, somewhere, yeah. not been able to do that. Not been able to do that. None of the none of the summer leagues I've, I've managed to find streams for on um on dodgy streaming websites. Uh, of course, can't access RTE streams over in the the UK. So, um, and you know, it depends whether or not I want to pay the seven euros to the the streaming service to actually watch League of Ireland or not. Um, if I can be bothered, but you know. It's a yeah, it's a risk that sometimes is not worth taking. Uh, sometimes it is. Um, but as well, even the women's World Cup, it's all in the morning. It's all over. Uh, by you know three o'clock in, in in the evening, so you can't even switch on a game because obviously it's in Australia and New Zealand. So um, all them games early in the morning. Um, and usually I'm in work. Uh, so you know, if I get a chance, I watch it in work. But uh, I, like you said, you're sitting at home. It's the evening, you're on half seven, and you're like, ah, oh, I, I might turn on a game because usually there is one. There, there isn't. Uh, unless like as you said, you can find a dodgy stream for. Um, I mean, even if you find a dodgy stream, um, most games because of the time difference are all in the morning or or really late at night. So South American football, uh, MLS, all that kind of stuff are uh, you know half half. 12 at night, 1 o'clock in the morning. Uh, mm. There's no real league at the moment that I can think of, except for obviously the Irish League, but they're on Friday nights um, that are being played at a reasonable hour. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's it. It's, um, yeah, I, I mean, sometimes I follow the Argentine League as well. Um, just, uh, again, if I'm maybe up late and I'm feeling a bit bored or something, I'll stick a few games on. Don't want to say I follow it religiously because I don't, but it's it's that kind of thing as well. Obviously, they're still playing at the moment, so you know if they're on, then I'll watch them. But uh, yeah, it's been been a, a tough summer for watching games, and in the last couple of times I've paid for League of Ireland streams, uh, I've watched Cork getting absolutely barred. So um, yeah, you're absolutely right. It could be a bit of a gamble, but. For now, we'll put our tangents to one side. Uh, we're not here just to, to catch up and chat, obviously. Um, we'll start off uh, with Lesia Polonia, Gdansk, and we'll get stuck right into them. So, Lesia Polonia, Gdansk were a team from Poland. Now, 
there's a lot of name changes involved with them. There's a lot of mergers involved with them. Um, they were actually founded from a merger between two clubs, uh, Lesia Gdansk and Gdansk. So they, they've literally just merged the names and made them a double battle. Um, Pre-merger Polonia Gdansk um, were founded in 1945 as NS Gdansk. Uh, they played in the lower tiers of Poland mainly, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, and went through another couple of name changes. But eventually they found their feet and, and renamed to Polonia Gdansk. Uh, they got promoted to the second division in 1973, uh, and finished runners-up um, the season after. And mm-hmm. then in the 1970s, the team kind of reached their, their sort of highest point, uh, if you like. They reached the, the, the peak in their history. Um, they enjoyed quite a long spell in the second tier and then eventually got relegated in 1982. Um, they finished third a couple of times. They just missed out on promotion to the top tier. Um and then they had another three season spell in the second tier, but then went down as well. But they managed to win the third tier three times during that time, and then finished runners up five times as well. So, um, with Polonia Gdansk, they were very much the the sort of lower tier, um, sort of middling club, a bit of a yo yo club between the second and third tiers. I suppose if you were to compare them to anyone really really loosely in Scotland, it would maybe be Aloha just sort of, you know, bounding between the second and third tiers, not really getting anywhere else. Um, They didn't win anything uh, in terms of trophies, so very much a middling club. Lesia Gdansk, on the other hand, were, were the polar opposite. They were also founded in 1945, so um, post-war, I believe. Um, And as I said, they, they had quite a lot of success. Um, In the 1950s, uh, they finished third in the top flight during the 1956 season. But then they crashed down into the lower tiers in the 1960s and 70s. Uh, and after they'd kind of been through that sort of bad period, uh, a period of turbulence, they managed to win the Polish Cup and the Polish Super Cup in 1983 um, and then had a spell back in the top flight. But again, they then went back down to the lower divisions. So, you know, you're seeing this thing again where they're sort of, um, they're sort of up and down, more successful than Polonia, but... You know, there the, the doesn't seem to be a great degree of stability. Now, I don't know what Polish football was like at the time, if this was quite common for a lot of clubs or if it still is. Um, but it seems like that they were up and down quite a lot. Um, it seems like there... I don't I don't want to say there might have been some off-field problems with them, but it seems like there was certainly something else going on in the background. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, the similarities in this story uh, to the Icelandic side, uh, Akuri, uh, if you remember, they they joined up uh, with uh, a, a club called Poor, uh, and they kind of made a, 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 a merge together to kind of take on the Reykjavik clubs uh, to, be kind of, to become a kind of a, a stronger uh, version in their own town. So this is why uh, Lekia and Pol- Polonia uh, kind of got together in Gdansk to kind of become one super club uh, to kind of compete against the clubs, the stronger clubs uh, in Poland, which would have been from um, Krakowia uh, and uh, Warsaw. Um, and and, and this, is, this is what we're seeing here is that the two clubs kind of said, right, well, we need to uh, pitch all our resources together um, because we're going really nowhere like I suppose Lekia were the better of the two they, they kind of had a minor success as, as you pointed out there Polonia not really uh, both clubs kind of yo-yoing in the leagues 
and they 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 basically came up with this idea to merge together to to be the the, the super club of Gdansk, if you know what I mean, bring Gdansk together because Gdansk is quite a big uh, uh town or city. Um, yes, yeah, very big city. Yeah, as as we know, because remember when Poland and Ukraine held uh, the the Euros, and I think Gdansk was one of the major uh, cities uh, for that. So. It, it it was a project that was aimed at taking taking uh, on the bigger cities in Poland and trying to become a kind of force in Polish football. Mm. Yeah, that's it. And, and what's interesting about uh, Lycia is that they obviously had plans to do this before because they, they actually went through a, a merger previously. Mm. Um, during 1995, they had merged with Olympia Poznan uh, to create Olympia Lycia Gdansk. Uh, which again is is quite interesting because uh, Poznan, as far as I'm aware, is a completely different city to Gdansk. Um, yeah, well, just we gonna have know, a quick look. We all know Poznan, as in the you know the Poznan, the the celebration where like all the fans turn around <laughs> and dance around uh, with their backs to the game. Um, oh. But uh, yeah, they 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 tried it originally with them. Uh, I love like it's like like yeah, I had this idea. Uh, in their head that they needed to merge with somebody to be to become stronger. Um, yeah. yeah, that's exactly it. Um, so they tried it with them. Obviously, it didn't work out. They went through Polonia then. Um, but the ironic thing is, as we'll find out at the end of it, it's actually lucky that were the ones that uh, kind of pulled out of the whole uh, project. Um, yeah, that, that's what's quite interesting. And that's why I'd, I'd, I'd like to know a bit more about just doing a quick search there. Gdansk and uh, Pojna and Earth three three and a quarter hours away from each other mm. so it's probably unsurprising that the merger between um between Lesia and Olympia Poznan didn't work out yeah uh, presumably because they're merging two teams from from two different cities uh there's going to be that issue of where do they play uh where are the fans from Poznan how are they going to make it take a dance or vice versa uh you know it seems like logistically um it would have been a bit of a nightmare amongst other things yeah it only lasted the season uh so yeah. Yeah, you can imagine there probably wasn't a lot of interest in it. It, it would be the equivalent of, say, here in Ireland, I don't know, Pats merging with Cork. <laughs> uh, yeah, it'd be like if um, Inverness uh, merged with, Ro- uh, not Ross County, if Inverness merged with Queen of the South or something, just wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, uh, and this one didn't, obviously. Uh, for the season, they did it. Um, really, to be honest, the research that I went into it, the, like, obviously, they... they, they Folded uh, after a year, uh, we could have actually included them in the book, to be honest, because technically they're a forgotten club. But uh, there's just not enough on them. Uh, one season wonders, um, they just it didn't work out. And uh, for exactly what you said, I mean, we could have, you know, any normal football fan probably would have told you it wasn't going to work out in anyway. Um, exactly. But obviously they had it in their idea, and as I said, Lekia, uh, the board members and people in charge of that club just had it in their heads, um, that. They needed to to merge with with another football club to make themselves stronger. Um, the Polonia merger obviously made more sense because they're both from Gdansk. Um, but it just it just didn't work out in the end, as we'll we'll find out. 
Yeah, I mean, again, I'd need to do some more research into Polish football as a whole. Uh, but it seems like the 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 name changes and mergers were quite were quite common, particularly during this period of time. A lot of clubs were doing it. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if there was maybe other issues that were, were kind of uh, overshadowing uh, the leagues and everything else going on. So it uh, could be seen as maybe a bit of a, a struggle for survival, a fight for survival amongst some clubs maybe. Uh, but it could also just be clubs being ambitious and i say that in air quotes um ambitious in this case meaning we want to be successful so we'll merge with anyone uh to try and get that and as we found out that almost never happens so um yeah as, as phil alluded to in um 1998 uh Lesia gdansk merged with plony gdansk Again, makes much more sense. They're both from the same city. One team is uh, a little lower down the leagues and a little less successful. One is a more successful team. So it makes a bit more sense in that category, I suppose. Fans of Polonia would be delighted. Would you not, would you not think, Phil? Well, depending on... Uh, well, I mean, there wasn't much of a rivalry that I know of in, in my research between the two clubs because they, they never really kind of uh, uh, played each other. I think they did play each other maybe a few times. Um I mean, is any fan ever happy to be? Uh, have you ever heard of any fan happy to merge with another club? It's not something that uh, fans usually are happy with because they lose their kind of identity, uh, their original identity, and stuff like that. It's a weird thing in Poland, um, because Poland, as we all know, is is a huge country, um, and I always see Poland and Polish football as again. I think we spoke about this in in the last uh, uh, one of our last episodes about how Swedish football is kind of like a under underachieving football nation when it comes to uh, you know it's football clubs it's domestic football clubs Poland for me is is quite the same I mean they have huge football clubs they have huge uh, passionate fan bases uh, we've all seen the pictures the displays and stuff like that Polish fans uh, the away fans have to be put in cages because they're because <laughs> they're so uh, passionate and stuff like that and um, that they have to be separated and it just feels like. The, the, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to disrespect Polish uh, football because I, 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 I think a lot of their clubs are, are quite good. We all know Legi Warsaw, uh, Krakowia, um, and stuff like that. Um, but they just feel like they just are, they're not strong enough in quality. Uh, if we take away the passionate side of it, we all know they have that, but they just don't have the quality in footballers and stuff like that. And why? I don't know, to be honest. Even the Polish national team, uh, they do lose a lot, a lot of players to Germany. Uh, off the top of my head, I, you know, I think Miroslav Klose, he was Polish originally, wasn't he? Um, and yeah, Podolski, Lukas Podolski, yeah. uh, who, who went to play for Germany. So they do have that that problem. Uh, obviously, they have Lewandowski, who's one of the top strikers in the world, um, but he can't carry them on uh, himself. Um yeah, Poland and Polish football did go through uh, uh, that period of a lot of clubs mixing, matching, changing, merging. Uh, a few clubs disappeared. Um, a few clubs reappeared, as we as we'll find out. Um, and just in, in my in my research, uh, not only in Poland, mergers rarely rarely stick, and they rarely um uh. Or, or what happens is is that other clubs kind of uh, appear out um from them become Phoenix clubs. So the the original clubs end up going into these mergers, uh whether it be the fans or the boards aren't happy with it, then they kind of opt out and then become their original club again. Um, yeah, that, I mean, one, kinda... one that I can think of being 
I suppose, moderately successful. Because when you mentioned there, uh, I'm not sure if there's a merger that fans have been happy about. Obviously, in Inverness, Caledonia and Thistle, who currently play in the Scottish Championship, but have played in the Premiership, and famously uh, won the Scottish Cup in 2015 and, and beat Celtic, I think, in 2000-2001 in the Scottish Cup. They were founded after a merger between Caledonian FC and, and Inverness Thistle FC, and I think that was something that was actually voted through by fans. Uh, and not not just by like uh, you know a small margin. It was quite a quite a heavy majority. But of course, there were still some people that were uh, that were frustrated and annoyed, and and you know they 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 saw it as the death of two clubs. Um, the majority of people voted it through, and and there was big support behind Inverness Cali Thistle for that. And of course, the purpose of that was so that there was a team representing Inverness in the the former Scottish League system. Um, to move up from the Highland League, so that's one that I can think of as being successful to a degree, uh, just because of the tier jump and stuff like that. But I, I generally agree with you when you say that the majority of mergers, um, particularly when we're looking at clubs like this, don't tend to be successful. Yeah, I uh, yeah, that's probably the only one I can think of. Um, I mean, we've gone through a lot, uh, in the book. Um, you know, the likes of Beveren. Um, obviously that's the big one that kind of definitely definitely uh, suggests that mergers aren't uh, aren't the way to go. Um, yeah, I, 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 honestly, on the top of my head, I can't think of it. It's maybe something that we, you know, we could ask the listeners: Is there mergers uh, out there that that are successful? Uh, if so, can you name them? Um, and and why were they successful? Um, because. We we we've we've pointed out the reasons why mergers aren't successful. Um, I suppose the Caledonian Thistle one, uh, Inverness Caledonian Thistle one. I suppose a merger can only really be successful if it hits the ground running and it kind of you know they get they get success on the pitch. And I suppose that that's what fans want. And I suppose if that does happen, fans can hardly kind of protest against it really. Um, yeah, I think that there was a number of other factors which led to the, the Inverness merger being successful. But I remember, well, I, I don't remember, but remember seeing in documentaries and reading that back in the 70s or 80s, I think it was, there was a guy who wanted to, it might even have been the 90s, there was a guy who wanted to merge uh, Hibs and Hearts. Like, can you imagine how that would have went? <laughs> yeah, you see, stuff like that had never, ever, like, first of all, I think it would ruin... Football, like that'd be like uh, actually in my head. I think imagine Celtic Rangers kind of merge, or even the two Milan's, yeah, <laughs> two Milan clubs merge. Um, it just it just wouldn't work. You, you'd lose like first of all, you'd lose a big derby that everybody around the world looks forward to. Um, you you'd lose obviously the clubs, the fans would lose the identity. Like how could you sit alongside? Your your long time rivals like how could a heart fan sit beside a Hibs fan and support the same club? It just it, it just wouldn't happen. Uh, I mean, it, look, it becomes a uh, becomes like rugby then, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. It just it just doesn't happen. Like all the well, where does all that? I don't want to say hatred. Maybe there is obviously there is fans that hate the other club, but where does all that kind of um built up tension go? Uh, if you're sitting beside your uh, your your enemy. <laughs> Yeah, it's, exactly. yeah, yeah. No, you're you're absolutely spot on. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's an interesting one. I suppose without actually hearing from any um fans of Lesia Gdansk or Polonia Gdansk, or indeed fans of Lesia Polonia Gdansk, um, perhaps we'll never know. But listen, if there's someone out there who is listening to this episode who followed the club, then please do get in touch because we'd love to hear from you. Um, love to pick your brains and and ask you a few questions. Um, if you followed. 
uh, either Lecce or Polonia, or if you followed the the merged club uh, during that period of time, it would be really interesting to hear from you. Um, so yeah, as as we said in 1998, uh, Lecce against Polonia merged. Um, their first season was pretty good. They done not too bad. Um, I think it it was again one of those. Uh, they were still in the second tier. Um, they finished mid table. Literally, literally spot on mid table to finish seventh out of fourteenth. Uh, so it wasn't awful given they'd been through a merger. I think that would be okay. Um, you know, with the kind of off-field stuff happening, it could have been a disaster as well. But probably not the success that a lot of fans were hoping for. Um, so yeah, they 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 finished spot on mid table in the in the second tier. So it's it's not it's not the end of the world, but it's not the best either. So you know, still just kind of finding our feet. But in the following season, uh, things got a lot worse. The second tier had seen an expansion of clubs and uh, Lechia Polonia Gdansk finished in 14th out of 24. Uh, and in the Polish Cup, they were put out in the round of 16. Now, something quite interesting happened during this season, uh, which makes this a bit more complicated um, than what it was. So at this point, Polonia Gdansk created a separate team in nineteen in the nineteen ninety nine season, but that was obviously one year after they'd merged with Lesia. Mm. But they hadn't necessarily left the merger, or maybe they had. I'm I'm not too sure because I, I, I was reading about it and it seems like obviously Lesia Polonia continued under the name. Yeah, Polonia created a separate team again. So it's I'm not too sure to what degree. Polonia actually left, but they did create a separate team in 1999. Uh, they were involved in the merger by name, it seems like, only. Um, but most fans saw this as Polonia's continuation of the original team and not the Lesia Polonia team. However, that reformation did mean that Polonia had to start from Poland's lowest divisions uh, and try and climb the way back up. Um what so, we're seeing, what we're seeing there already is basically the fans of Polonia uh, were not happy with the merger, and they said, "Right, we're off to to create, uh, bring back our club, Polonia Gdansk back to life. Uh, we don't recognise uh, Lekia Polonia as our club. Uh, sorry, as you said, they went down to the sixth tier, uh, but Lekia Polonia Gdansk still continued. This is a weird one, uh, and yeah. I, I I actually have a phrase for this, Lekia uh, Gdansk." Uh, Lekia Polonia that Kadansk it's, it's quite complicated. I feel are like uh, are a ghost club, right? Yeah. Um, stick with me in, in why I'm calling them a ghost club. No, so, I quite I quite I quite like that term of phrase. Yeah, they're a ghost club. So they're two clubs merged together, but they're not supported by those two clubs fans that merged together. But yet they still continued on as a club, even though the two original clubs came together. So. For example, it would be like, say, again, I'll just use Celtic Rangers. Say Celtic Rangers merged together. We all know it'll never happen, but let's just say uh, they did uh, and they became uh, Ran- Celtic Rangers FC, uh, let's just say. And, Very creative, Phil. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 so Celtic fans were like, no, no, we're going off with Celtic FC and Rangers fans going, no, we're creating Rangers FC again. Uh, but Celtic Rangers FC still continued to operate uh, as a as a football club, uh, with you know very little fans, I, I'm sure I assume they had a few fans, but um, so this is exactly what uh Lekia uh Polonia Kadan Square, um, and they just kind of existed, 
but mm. nobody kind of recognised them. So that's where I'm getting the phrase "ghost club." Yeah, no, I I quite agree with that. It's quite nice. Um, other kind of similar phrase that I thought of was maybe a shell club, where shell club, yeah. um, you know, they they've they've merged, kept both teams' names, but then there's a breakaway again. Uh, but they keep the names and continue on, and that uh, you know, they continue using both names even though one of them or two of them don't mean anything anymore. Um, it's quite an interesting concept. We've covered quite a few teams that uh, that have been like that so far. Um, now obviously Plony Gdansk had to start off from the bottom tiers again, and and they were doing um they were doing their thing. Um, but Lesia Plony Gdansk, their 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 fortunes did not get better by any stretch. Uh, in the two thousand two thousand and one season, they finished nineteenth out of twenty in the second tier, so they were relegated. And then uh, in the 2001-02 season, they finished 15th to 19th in the third tier. Uh, completely, you know, less than competitive, doesn't even cover it. Um, after that point, they folded. Uh, they ceased to exist. Um, they dissolved, whatever you want to call it. Now, Lesia Gdansk then created a separate team from the Lesia Polonia team in 2001. Um, and that was also viewed as a continuation of the team before the merger. Sorry. So briefly, there were three teams playing... Um, as a result of the merger, which were Lesia Gdansk, Polonia Gdansk, and Lesia Polonia Gdansk. Yeah. Um, now, the team, the merged team, was obviously in a much worse position than before the merger, but Lesia were the ones who took advantage of the situation that they found themselves in. Um, their fortunes changed after they had to start all the way from the bottom, uh, and eventually they made it back up to the extra clasher once again in the 2008-09 season. Um, what they had eleven seasons of continuous top flight football, which is really impressive. They won the Polish Cup and the Polish Super Cup again, uh, and they managed to obviously, due to that, play in European football for the second time in their history. So it's really, really, I, I, I find this club really, really interesting because for four years you had this merged club, Lesia Polonia Gdansk. After a season of that merger, Polonia Gdansk then split again. Uh, the merger is is therefore honoured only in name. Um, and then in 2001, Lesia split and formed their own club again. And they both start off down at the bottom tiers, even though the merged club is still continuing. But then they dissolve and Lesia, you know, they, they just kind of continue their success. It's almost like they mirrored their early season success. I find this a really, really, really fascinating club to look into. Um, how how was it for you to to write about it and cover it, Phil? It was quite complicated, uh, as you can imagine. Um, a, a lot of uh, name changes, a lot of Polonia, Lekia. Gdansk, um, uh, you know, quite hard to follow, um, but it 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 was it was just such an interesting project. Uh, if you were to summarize it, it was basically Lekia and Polonia. So there's Lekia and Gdansk, Polonia and Gdansk got together, made Lekia, Polonia and Gdansk. Uh, that didn't work out, and they both basically split away, but left that club there, uh, who were around for one season, and then they eventually folded. Um, as I said, a, a, a ghost club. Um, it's it's something that and and then obviously Lekia go on uh, as as their original identity again. Uh, they go on as a kind of a more successful of the two. Polonia uh, ended up uh, or have ended up uh, being known as uh, SKS. Uh, Stock, I can't even pronounce. It. I'm not. Yeah, even... I seen, I seen, I seen that earlier, and I was like, I'm gonna leave that. Uh, I'll give it a go. SKS Stonchevich Gdansk. We'll go with that. Probably. Yeah, and they're playing the lower regional regional division, so that's where Polonia are at the moment, or SKS as they're known as now. So, quite a big contrast in in both uh, clubs now. 
uh, obviously Lecky uh, have been the better off since uh, the split from the merger. But it, it was it was just a weird project where they kind of created a club between the two and then kind of went, no, do you know what? No, this isn't good. But even after they said this wasn't good, they left the club there and it was still there uh, mm. for a season at least. Um, which is which is kind of weird, uh, to be honest. But um, yeah, no, I, I just think in terms of uh, you know, wider themes, particularly obviously, you know, I'm I'm a big heritage nerd, so uh, when it comes to this kind of thing, I'm I'm really really interested in it. How you can have three clubs operating at the same time in one city, where one club is supposed to represent both sets of fans, and then you've got the individual ones. I think it's really really fascinating. It's something that I I might uh, I might write about for the blog um at some point. Um, you know what I'm like when I say stuff like that, so it probably won't happen. But uh, maybe it's something that I can do as a bit a bit of a side project when um when I've got some free time. Really, really interesting club. I I really really enjoyed reading up about them and uh, obviously reading the chapter in the book. I thought they were really really fascinating case uh, case study to to kind of look into for a load of different themes. Yeah, definitely. Um, just just uh, it's one of the reasons why I had them in in the book. Uh, they're the second Polish team, obviously. Uh, the other Polish name, um, I can't actually pronounce their name. <laughs> uh, we, we, uh, I don't think we covered the other Polish name, have we? No, we haven't. No, no, we have not. Um, it's uh, oh yes, um, Jutrenza Krakow. Yeah. yeah. So they're they're a different story altogether. Uh, they're a little bit um later, uh, and they're more a kind of political, religious kind of uh Polish name, which we we'll, we'll get into in Polish football, which is covered in that sort of stuff. Um, as you can imagine, um, but these these were uh, a more modern kind of reason for folding. Um, a quite unique one. Uh, it's not one that like, obviously we've seen mergers and stuff like that. Um, but this one is kind of unique one, uh, as in the merger happened. Uh, then it, remember we came up with the we coined the term re remerged or de demerged. Uh, but it didn't fully demerge because the actual merger, the original merger still existed even though the two clubs demerged itself from it um yes. which is not something that you see uh often to be honest no 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 absolutely not uh i think that's what made them so interesting as well just because of the different elements at play and and, and the kind of different things going on so yeah really really enjoyable club um gone but not forgotten sort of but they're still here yeah <laughs> i guess um. Yeah. Maybe ones to keep an eye on. Last year, as as, as we said, seemed the most successful. We've had a bit of success in the time. I think I remember seeing them playing in Europe. Um. You know, just when I'm flicking through the scores and stuff like that. So, um, certainly one to keep an eye on moving forward. But with Lesia Polonia Gdansk out of the way, now we will go across the border. Fly. Sorry, close by ish um, to Hungary, where Phil is going to be discussing Budapest VSC. Uh, Phil, kick us off. Just dive right into them. Let's hear what they are all about. Yeah, so we're we're, we're staying in Europe, basically. Yeah, uh, let's just say that uh, Budapest uh, Vastusa Sport Club Zuglo, as it was known uh, as as it is known currently at the moment. Give yourself um, a pat in the back. That was very very impressive. Well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I've been practicing. Um, was founded. They were founded in 1911, so you know, quite quite a long time ago. Uh, over a hundred years, under the name of 
Masvos Budapesti VSC. Uh, it was a club uh, that had various sports team in it, so it was an actual sports organisation, as as we've touched on with with a lot of these clubs uh, in Europe. Um, it's not something that happens in in I suppose the UK or Ireland, where you know football clubs are football clubs, and that's that. Uh, in Europe um, and and South America, uh, it's it's usually a sports, it's usually a branch of a sports organisation. Um, they they had like table tennis, wrestling, and all that kind of stuff, uh, water polo. Um, so the early years, uh, with the club were, were were uneventful, really. Um, the club played in the local leagues of Budapest and in the lower Hungarian national leagues. Um, and then uh, opportunity arose for them. Uh, they were they were not on record for winning any major silverware. Uh, early on. Now that doesn't mean they didn't win anything in the regional leagues. Um regional leagues back then, uh, you know, in the early nineteen hundreds or yeah, nineteen hundreds, uh hard to get records or track of uh, if they won cups or anything because there would have been various cups. Um just take an example, say for example in Ireland there's you know the FEI Junior Cup, uh, the Leinster Senior Cup and stuff like that. I assume in places like Hungary and, and other European countries, and um, when they were playing in regional leagues in the early years, uh, would have had them type of tournaments, trophies and stuff like that. So while there's no major silverware on record with these, they may have won a few a few uh, trophies. Um the name was changed to the club uh, when they merged. So we're seeing a merger already here. Um, with Budapest, the MAV Alor in 1945. And then sometime in between 1945 and 1948, the club changed its name again to MAV uh, Consum uh, Vastus Ilor. So again, a lot of name changes and stuff like that. And the reason why for this, as, as you can imagine, around 19, you know, 45, 1948, uh, we're looking just um post-war time and stuff like that. There's a lot of change going on in Europe. Hungary, obviously, one of one of the big countries uh in World War Two, uh, that would have been affected by all of that. So there's a lot of uh social upheaval, political upheaval, um, all that kind of stuff. So football clubs are are kind of being I don't want to say messed about, but they're kind of being, you know, used as political um political entities if you know what I mean and people are trying to get the right names to kind of express what the football club is about um, also there probably wasn't a lot of money around uh, in these areas after the war um, and probably a lot of money was probably being put into you know the reconstruction of Europe basically the buildings and all that after so football clubs were probably having to merge and having to uh, kind of re re rebirth themselves is that a word i don't know re reconstruct themselves to kind of um survive uh, and and as i said a lot of mergers happened because football clubs had to get together um to, to keep going yeah yeah absolutely um one of those ones i think re reconstructs maybe the best word for it obviously hungary being an axis power during the during world war Two, um and when when the red army came in and, and even during the Hungarian resistance and other you know atrocities and things that happened during World War Two, then there, there was a, a huge amount of reconstruction that had to be done. Um I could imagine that football probably played a role within that and, and that a lot of clubs would be looking to to reconstruct themselves as well. Yeah and Hungary as as you mentioned there was part of uh the axis of Germany. Um but after the war 
there was a kind of shift towards a kind of more Russian uh, influence in the country. Um, and in 1948, the club uh, reverted to another name, uh, a more Russian, Russian sounding name, uh, Budapesti Locomotive SK. So, yeah, we all know Locomotive is associated with uh, Locomotive Moscow and, and there's other Locomotive uh, clubs, um, which, you know, is associated with Russia. Um, the Soviet-aligned uh, government uh, basically took took over Hungary. Now, without getting political and, and kind of getting into all of that, um, you can imagine Hungary is now a changed country politically, uh, socially, um, after being under the influence of Germany and, and kind of, you know, European influence. Russia then comes in and kind of changes all that. And therefore, the football clubs uh, took a change with, with their names and stuff like that. Um, and, and Hungary kind of gets... Involved again, Hungary to me is is a club or not a club, a country, a European country that would be. It is a, it's kind of half and half, really, isn't it? It is a Western country in, in regards, but it still has that Eastern Bloc feel. Um, I think for them, yeah, the, the, there are the, they are if you like the Central European country. Um, yeah, they 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 they, they kind of have their own influences and in, in their own culture. Obviously, Hungary historically has always been a bit of a melting pot. Uh, so they, they they've always been obviously very proud of their own culture, um, very proud of their own identity. Don't want to go much into the um into the nastiness of 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 their fans, you know, during the the Euros and and stuff yeah. like that. Which is a, a different issue. Um, but you know that that, that there is that element of it as well, where the, the, there's a lot of there's a lot of racism. There's still a lot of anti-Semitism and and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, in in terms of uh, in terms of the club that we we're discussing now, Budapest VSC, I can imagine there was probably an element of that as well, where they were rebuilding after the war. They're wanting they're, they would probably want to get some semblance of their identity back after going through you know Nazi occupation. Uh, well, not so much occupation, but you you know what I mean. Um, and then with the Red Army coming in as well, they're probably trying to claw some of that back. I would imagine. Yeah, and I mean, you talk about identity there. Uh, this is a club that, and this is the reason why they caught my eye. Uh, they had a number of name changes. So I even have in the book, uh, Keeping Up, because there is many name changes. So in 1949, the People's Republic of Hungary uh, was declared. Um, and in 1954, saw the fourth name change uh, with the merger of Budapesti Locomotive SK uh, and Budapesti Alor SK and Budapesti Postos SK to create Budapest the Torquiz SE. So you have three clubs there merging together to become one. Uh, three clubs who had various name changes. Um and it was just uh it, it, it was just a bit of a mess uh, trying to find the actual original identity. This club had so many name changes, it was uh, very hard to follow. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, if if it's you know a lower a lower league team in Hungary rebuilding after the war, then I suppose it's kind of understandable. Um, but you know, it's it's one of those things as well. Yeah, I mean, look, the, that that merger only lasted two years with the D merger. Uh, so I actually have D-Merger in the book, written in the book. So uh, maybe I'm going to coin that, <laughs> uh, coin that whole term as, as my own. Uh, now, so all three clubs went their separate ways. So they actually, all, as I mentioned, them three clubs merged. Uh, two years later, they all went, oh, no, this is not working out. And they, they went back to their original forms. Um, 
The pre-merger Budapesti locomotive SK became known as Budapesti VSC, and that's the club that we kind of are following here in the book. Um, so and they remained uh Budapesti VSC until ni- the nineteen nineties, and then they changed their name for the sixth time, six times, um, and now they were known as BFSC, um, uh, Mavra Transped. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um, 1992 saw the seventh name change, uh, which they then became known as BFSC Novip, and now the choice of title of the club. Um, the reasons for these name changes, you know, the sixth, seventh, and all aren't really clear. Um, again, it just seemed like they just liked changing names, to be honest. Um, <laughs> and that, that's that, that's the, the bones of it. Um, whether they just felt after a year or two they weren't getting enough traction or they wanted um kind of uh, a new identity or they just didn't know their identity. Um I, I I to be honest, I don't know, but it just felt like this club just wanted to keep changing names. Um so we're all, well, we're on the seventh uh, name change. Uh, but for the third year in a row, the club opted for another name change. So I think we're on our eighth. Uh, and they were known as BFFC Dreher. Uh, and that was their new name. Uh, throughout these three years, however, most football fans knew the club simply as BFSC. So they they, they were name changing, but most people just said, here, look, forget about it. We're just known you as um, BF or BVSC, pardon me, not BF, uh, BVSC, uh, as we're known as in Hungarian football. Uh, I think people like myself kind of probably lost track of all the name changes. Um, so... In the end, the name changes kind of were a little bit redundant um, in that regard. Um, it seems... Yeah, yeah no, I'd, I'd agree with you there. It's, uh, there's a, yeah, there's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, uh, with name changes. But as I said, all these name changes are coming along with no kind of substance. Like, they're just doing it just to... I don't know. Maybe they're doing it to annoy people. I honestly don't know. It, it was a kind of a weird one. It would be like, say... Again, use Celtic as a kind of reference. Oh, we're just gonna call ourselves Celtic FC. Oh no, we're gonna say Celtic United. No, no, we're gonna we're gonna call ourselves Celtic Wanderers. Essentially, yeah. I'm just gonna know you as Celtic. <laughs> so the, changes. Yeah. So the second part of the name just becomes like, what are you doing? Like, what? Why? Why? Why are you doing it? Um, it seems like clubs hierarchy or the board members uh, liked changing the name. Um, as we've already mentioned. And then in 1996-97, the club was known as Budapesti VSC. Um, then BF, then BVSC Zuglo FC in 1997-98. So I think we're going into the 10th name change at this stage. And it's it's getting ridiculous, if we're being honest. Absolutely ridiculous, Um, all these name changes and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, it's just, it, it was just bizarre. Um, the following season, the club uh, just dropped the FC, so they're just known as BVSC Zuglo. <laughs> so they're just now just mixing it about. It's like a game of Scrabble, to be honest. Um, and then they they reverted back to the name Budapesti VSC for two years, from 1999 to 2001, before landing on the name BVSC Zuglo FC once again. So they're now going. They're now just reusing names at this stage. Um, this lasted though for 10 years so they obviously liked this name 
however, the sports organisation didn't field a senior football team for the majority of that time. So that's the reason why uh, there was no name change is because there was no football team to change the name of. And um, when they did return to football, the new name BVSC Zuglo was preferred choice. And that's the way it remained until 2011. Um, now that we have all the information um, out there with all the name changes and all, I think we've gone through 11, 12 maybe. Um, we can actually, you know, actually talk about how they did on the actual pitch and not all their name changes. Um, through my research, um, I found that the club played in the top flight um, in 1958-59 season under the name uh, BVSC, Budapest, and finished 12th out of 14 clubs. Uh, but at the time, there was actually no relegation in Hungarian football. So, uh, you know, they survived in any way. And the following season, there was a threat of relegation. Uh, so relegation was brought in then, and BVSC finished bottom of the table, winning only three games. So they weren't exactly the greatest club in the late 50s, uh, 60s. Um, they wouldn't then be in the top division again until the 90s, the early 90s. So uh, they were predominantly uh, a lower league division side, um, BVSC uh, or whatever they were called. They had about eight name changes in between there. We'll just call them uh, BVSC like every other Hungarian fan uh, did. <laughs> um, and, and they didn't really start to come to the attention of Hungarian football fans um, until the following years uh, when, you know, Hungarian fans did start recognising them as BVSC uh, and they became a permanent uh, fixture in the Nezmir, sorry, the Nemzeti uh, Banjoksak one, which is the Hungarian top flight. Now, I have probably butchered that, uh, so I don't know if you want to have a go, already or not, um, but that is the Hungarian top We'll just call it the Hungarian top flight. Yes, you're one. Yeah, so uh, look, they they don't they don't decently uh through when when they when they played there. I mean, they they didn't light any uh, uh light any fires or anything like that. Um, they finished you know tenth out of sixteen stuff like that. That was that was roughly the average uh, finishing. Um, they were just finishing above the relegation zone and stuff like that. Um. 12th, you know, these are the type of places that they're finishing. Um, they, you know, they weren't the club that on the field uh, kind of uh, gained my attention. It was more the off-field antics uh, with the name changes and stuff like that. I just found it fascinating um, that that they that they had so many name changes but kind of stuck around through all these name changes. Yeah, I mean, from, from what I read up about them, obviously, um, they were around for a very long time. They probably changed their names more than they've had um summers, to be honest. Um, they never really achieved much success, though. They never, uh, they, they never really, uh, you know, reached many heights. I suppose you know, obviously, they reached the top tier, but um, they didn't achieve much in the way of success, did they? They were they were a, a very very staple lower league club. Yeah, I mean, they did uh, play uh, in a Hungarian Cup final uh, against uh, a club that's actually quite known, uh, Honved. Um, Honved yeah, of course. Yeah, and they played. They played in that. Um, they won the first game, the home. So the Hungarian Cup final is played over two legs. They they made home advantage count and they won one nil. Um, the the only goal uh, coming in the thirty five minute by a a player called Kisabi. Um, the second leg was played uh two weeks later, which is quite unusual to be honest. Um, in nineteen ninety six. 
um, in front of a much bigger stadium at the Bosik Yosef Stadion, uh, which is Honved's uh, stadium. Honved, quite a yeah, as I mentioned, quite a big club in Hungary. Yep. Hungary, pardon me. Um, and the game was, you know, by all means, uh, when I done my research on this actual game, it was a cagey affair. Um, and it wasn't until later on when the deadlock was broken uh, by Honved, uh, and um, it went into extra time. Um, no, sorry, it didn't go into extra time. It looked like it was going into extra time, and then uh, Honved scored in the eighty-six minute. Um, so you know, B BVSC's uh, fans, um, hearts were broken. Uh, I'd mm. imagine their hearts were broken anyway <laughs> uh, throughout their history with all the name changes and stuff like that. Um, but, <laughs> did they have any fans left at this point? Yeah, I mean, it, it was quite a weird one. Now, the only thing is they did qualify for the UEFA Cup uh, for 97-98 season because of that. And they actually played a Welsh team. Um, do you know what Welsh team they played? Oh, I'm going to say it was uh, TNS. No, no. This was probably before TNS kind of became uh, a dominant force. Before uh, Connors Keno, Mads. No. Okay, I don't know then. <laughs> Barry Town. Barry Town. Barry Town. Yeah, I was definitely going to say them next. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so yeah, so they, they had a couple of high points then in that case. Yeah, they, they did get knocked out by Barry Town, uh, the Welsh side, which I imagine for that Welsh, for Barry Town was a big result in their, in their uh, history. Um, both legs ended up 3 1 to either side. Uh, it actually went to penalties in which Barry Town won 4 2. Um, so, you know, their the, the European venture was cut, cut quite short. Um, so where did they go from there? Was there well, was there any more name changes? We know there was a few. Was it straight after their European adventure? Um, what happened next? Um, not really. I mean, in the book, I, I kind of go straight back into domestic matters. Uh, BVSC, as they were still known as, <laughs> um, surprisingly, um, and the club were determined not to make uh, the previous season a one-hit wonder. Uh, on the league front, they finished sixth, uh, which wasn't as good as the previous seasons, but it was respectable, respectable, I, I suppose, for a club that, you know, had seen relegations in the past. Um, but it was the cup that they made their headlines. And again, they reached a second consecutive final uh, where they're desperate to overturn the previous season's results. So um, the first round took the form of 16 groups with four clubs in each group. So this is how the Hungarian uh, Cup kind of worked um, back then. That's um, quite interesting. The top, two, the top two of each group would progress to the knockout stages of the tournament. Uh, BFSC were placed in group 14 alongside uh, Valence FC, Balaton Fjords FC and Vikesi FC. So I don't know if or Vikesi FC, I don't know if I'm pronouncing them properly. Um, who knows? Some, some big names in there for sure yeah yeah uh, they topped the group in any way with ease uh, winning two and drawing one and then they faced uh, a club called Zaligaretsky TE in the yeah, round of 32 so <laughs> now if you want to uh, take a go pronouncing that you can Rory <laughs> go and say it again just so you can remain they'll take a good run at it uh, Zaligaretsky Zaligaretsky yeah. 
I just said it faster than you did, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll go with that. We'll go with that one, right? Yeah, we'll go with that. Um, that, that that's what we'll um, They played them in the round of 32 and they won the tie 4-3 in aggregate. After losing the first leg at home 3-2, they came back to win the second leg and won that 2-0. Thanks to two goals from Bukzeki. Uh, Buk, Again, these names, man. Um, and they progressed to the last 16 anyway. Um, there he met uh, Videoton FC uh, Um, so that's their full name um, and the first leg took place at the Stadion Sostil in I'm not even going to I'm not even going to try <laughs> pronounce that word I apologize yeah, no, I, I remember I remember reading that because I, I do this thing when, and it goes for all books as well there's a difficult pronunciation in my brain I'll spend far too long trying to read that word and I'll just get caught up and frustrated, so I tend to skip over it. And I remember seeing that, I was like, no chance. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, it's some, it, it's obviously a city in Hungary. Uh, it begins with S Z and then it's E K E S F E H E R V A R. I'm not even gonna uh, insult it by trying to pronounce that. Um, yeah. but it was probably, only uh, actually we're, we're probably offending quite a lot of people at the moment. <laughs> yeah, and we've only got a good few followers there, we don't want to start losing them, so no, that's true. Um, it was actually only played in front of 500 people this game uh, back in the 28th November 1996. So I don't know if Hungarian football at this stage was, was seeing a downturn or if it was just them two clubs just didn't attract a lot of fans. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a strange one because you, you always think of uh, Hungary as, well, you know, they, they had the uh, the national team in the, the 20s or 30s, was it? Yeah. Um, that were really big, obviously. Um hundreds of notable players and stars came out of there as well so maybe it was just a little downturn maybe it was the clubs something for us to look into yeah yeah um, but BFSE uh, won the game 1-0 thanks to a goal in the 54th minute by that man again Bugzeki so he sounds like a bit of a cult here or a, or a bit of a goal scorer for him uh, the second leg which took place on the 5th of December at the Stadion Sezoni Uti in Budapest was only attended by Less than five hundred. It was actually only attended by one hundred fans, and that's at the oh. home of um, BVSC. So a huge drop off, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So maybe you're right. Maybe they did lose a lot of fans just simply because of the name changes and all. Um, you know, a hundred fans at a cup game. Um, in in Hungary in the Hungarian Cup, essentially. Yeah. Um, that's quite poor, to be fair. Um, those few BFSC uh fans saw their club. Uh, progress uh, the tie with a one-all draw and uh, the home side took the lead in the 23rd minute thanks to an own goal um, by Tot who was obviously on the other side uh, the away side came back and equalised on the on the night in the 60th minute through a player called Devery uh, but with 30 minutes remaining they couldn't find another goal and uh, BFCS or BFSC you know why I'm even getting uh, <laughs> confused this is the thing. I think uh, I think once we finish this episode, I might go and try and draw up a timeline for our, our listeners to follow because I'm I struggled as well with this one. It's it's very, very difficult. Yeah, hugely, hugely. Well, yeah. actually, listen, you know, maybe that's the reason why so little fans were turning up. I mean, would you turn up to St. Pat's if they were constantly changing their names to I don't know, went to St. Columbus, St. Anthony, St. Patrick? Wanderers, etc., etc. If, yeah, if I mean, I, I'd imagine like you get this illusion by it. I mean, it's probably something we maybe could look into and ask ask people, ask fans at the end of this episode, yeah, uh, on on a poll or something like that. Would you continue to support your team if they changed their name? 
It's quite as much as he did yet. I think there's a there's a really really interesting study lying somewhere in there. I think. Yeah, well, good time. Um, and as we said, we've already gone through over about eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Maybe I can't I can't remember them at this stage. Um, <laughs> but uh, they did get to the quarterfinals, and it was made much easier for BFSC as they cruised past FC Sobron. Nice easy name there. Four uh, 0 in aggregate, a three 0 win in the first leg, and a convincing. Uh, 3-0 uh, or 4-0 aggregate win altogether. So, you know, that, that was a nice easy one to get to the semi-finals where they played a side now I am not going to try to pronounce this. You no. you can have a go, Rory. I mean, Zombatale Haladas. Zombatale Haladas. Again, I've just said it quicker than you have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll go with <laughs> that. We'll, we'll just call them Haladas, yeah. yeah? Yeah, Halidas, okay, we'll go with that. Uh, the tie was over over after the first leg when BFSC won 3-0 at home. And the second leg was more of a formality when it ended nil all. So the damage was done in the first uh, first leg, basically, yeah. and BFSC went through to the final once again. Nice. Um, and this no, time it sounded like, I mean, just, just from what we've spoken about so far, obviously I said earlier on that they, they didn't have a huge amount of success. Right. Like, I mean, that's... Probably not so true the way we're talking about them now. It seems like they were quite a cup team, um, quite fond of a good cup run. Yeah, I mean, you probably were right, and, and as you, but you were probably right in, in saying, like, it sounds like it's good to go well in Hungarian Cup, but fans aren't going out to watch it. So, was <laughs> is the Hungarian Cup a big thing in Hungary? Is, is it a major? You know, do they see it as a major trophy? I'd imagine, um, I'd imagine so. I mean, hmm. obviously, I, I I follow a league where there's a domestic treble, and I know that's not a common thing at all throughout Europe, to be honest. So, uh, if it's not the same in Hungary, and and it is just a domestic double, then surely, surely they'd have a lot of fans following it. I mean, it's hmm. the only chance for the team to win silverware out with the league. So, um, you'd assume so anyway. Yeah, I mean, they were to play uh, their their big city rivals, uh, MTK Budapest. Um, so Budapest uh, Derby basically, uh, and the final took place on May twenty fourth, nineteen ninety seven. It was played at the Hidegkutil Nander Stadion in front of two thousand fans. Were at the final. Um, for a final, that's that's not entirely great to be honest. But again, mm-hmm. we don't know what the situation was uh, back then in Hungarian football. Um, if anywhere listening from Hungary or anybody who knows about Hungarian football. Um, I think we had a uh, uh, Ben Torvey, the Luxembourg specialist, who's actually Hungarian. Um, yeah. He, oh, yeah, for sure. Actually, that's that's a great show. Uh, fantastic guy, Ben's as well. Yeah. We need to get we need to get him on for an episode at some point. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he maybe he might be able to tell us the state of Hungarian football in the late nineties. Mm. Um, but um, as I said, it was playing for the two thousand fans. They were treated to what only could be described as an onslaught. Uh, MTK were in no mood to provide the nation with a cup upset and started off quickly. It took them 12 minutes to break the deadlock when a player called Halma made a 1-0 just before half the half-hour mark. It was 2-0 thanks to an own goal um, by Eros from BFSC. So it wasn't going too well for them. They're 2-0 down after 30 minutes. Um, mm. And once again, it looks like they're going to lose uh, a cup final. Yep. Um. Ilias added a third in the 33rd minute, while Orius, uh, a player called Oros, uh, finished the game before half-time, making a 4-0 in the 36th minute. So they were 4-0 down after 36 minutes in a cup final. 
maybe they're delighted that not a lot of fans turned up to watch them. Um, because that sounds like uh, you know, a bit of a, a one sided uh, cup final. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm just I, I keep thinking about the cup form and 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 the types of games and results that they saw, and I think to myself, you know, and, and this is maybe just my own ignorance, uh, because until I'd read the book, there weren't a team that that I'd, I'd known to be honest. But it sounds like that for a time they were one of Hungary's bigger clubs. Maybe I'm not too sure that's something we'll maybe need to ask some of our followers as well. But they certainly seem like it mm. um, on the face of things. Well, the game ended up six 0 and anyway, they they conceded okay. four <laughs> two uh, in in the second half, um, and it was a tough, safe to say, a tough day for BFFC, um, mm. who you know did make it to two consecutive finals but lost them both, um, so in a way, you know, still yet to pick up a, a major major trophy. Yeah, and cup defeat did come with a silver lining though, because yeah, if you get to the cup final, you get into the cup winners' cup or the UEFA's cup winners' cup. Absolutely. Uh, and they uh, entered the qualifying round in the hope of going one better than the previous year when they got knocked out by the well side Barry Town. Um, they were drawn against Lichtensteiner Club, FC Balzer, who... Now, this is a funny one because we all know about um the Lichtenstein Club, Vaduce, who play... Uh, who always qualify every year for for Europa League or Europa Conference League through the Swiss Cup. Um, and it's, it's, just, it's just something... That um that that always comes to everybody's attention every year, um and every year we we hear about you know this uh Vaduce who win the Liechtensteiner Cup every year, or and they're always in the Swiss Cup and all because Liechtenstein is such a a small country it's a it's I think there's a word for it a nano state or whatever uh, it's yeah called. so uh, they're a, a micro nation and yeah. as my understanding of it goes that the teams from Liechtenstein have to play in Switzerland. And they have to qualify for the the European contest through the Liechtenstein Cup. That's yeah. the only way of ever getting in. But they also yeah. play in the Swiss Cup as well, which is another route. But um, really, obviously, really, really interesting. It, it would be cool if Liechtenstein could set up a national league. Um, I, th- I think it, that'd be really cool to see sometime in our lifetime. But I mean, given the fact that a micro state, I, I don't know if that's even a possibility for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Vaduz, I think, playing the second division in Swiss football, but it wasn't them this time that uh, that that got, that won the Liechtenstein Cup, and uh, maybe this was actually the last club that actually did win it uh, before Vaduz, because I think Vaduz have won it like fourteen times in a row or something like that. Yeah, um, I mean, another team from Liechtenstein progress, Niederkorn as well. They're always there, they're about so they're from. They're from Liechtenstein, aren't they? They're not from Luxembourg. I think they're from they Luxembourg. Luxembourg. I think they're Luxembourg. Luxembourg. I'm going to yeah. double check that. Anyway, this club was FC Balzer, uh, who, as I said, compete in the Swiss leagues, uh, but qualified by winning the Liechtenstein uh, Football Cup. Uh, the Hungarians were favourites to progress and didn't disappoint. Uh, the first leg of the tie took place in August 1997, uh, in front of actually 600 fans. So, that, you know, that's not too bad, to be fair. It's better than a pick. Yeah, and despite going behind in 38 minutes uh, by a, a, a bloke called Warnhard, uh, the Hungarian side bounced back and scored three. The first coming in the 50th, um, then they scored in the 76th, and another one in the 84th. Um, so they won 3 1 in the first leg, um, and they went into the second leg uh, with a much bigger crowd in attendance, with just under 2,000 people at it. So I don't know. This is weird because this is what I'm saying. Is the Hungarian uh, trophy or is the Hungarian cup 
got big because they obviously weren't getting big crowds in the Hungarian Cup. But it seems like here in this European game against a small Liechtenstein club, they they were getting up to nearly two thousand fans. Yeah, it's interesting, and and you know, European contests and, and European fixtures are always going to draw more fans. But it is really interesting. I know we do have a. a Oh, I think maybe literally a couple of listeners from Hungary. So, uh, again, we'll send out a question on our Twitter and, and maybe put another poll up for our fans at, at some other stage, uh, asking why that is or was the case. Um, so I'd quite like to know myself. It's, it's quite an interesting point, actually. Yeah, I mean, they went on to win that game 2-0, so 5-1 five, five yeah. in aggregate. So, you know, they did convincingly uh, go, go through um, that tie. Um, and it set up a huge tie in Europe against Real Betis, uh, you know, Spanish, uh-huh. big Spanish club. Um, the first leg was played in Spain at the Ramon Sanchez-Pujan uh, Stadium in Seville on the 18th of September. Um, and the hosts won 2-0 thanks to a brace scored by Alfonso Perez, a man who actually played for Barcelona and Real Madrid and also made 38 appearances for the Spanish national side between 1992 and 2000. So, you know, big name. Um, I don't know if any of our listeners remember him. I, I don't remember him to be fair. Um, but he obviously was uh, a decent enough player if he if he played for both Real Madrid and Barcelona. Um, but it was a huge step up to be fair for the uh, BFFC, and yep. they knew that. Um, and but they had to play the second leg, and uh, and the second leg, um, it only took seven minutes for the Spanish side to take the lead. And effectively put the tie to bed. Uh, 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 Alex Torrillo scored the goal. A man who had made two hundred and twenty-two appearances for Betis and was regarded amongst uh, the Seville club's uh, fan base as a bit of a cult hero. Well, you would be if you made yeah. two hundred and twenty-two appearances. I was so, going to say I don't know a huge amount about La Liga, but the name rings a bell. The name certainly uh, rings a bell. Um, he captained the side, and he actually captained. He's actually from Las Palmas. There as well, he captained them as well. So, um, a bit of a cult hero for both of them clubs. Okay. Um, so the tie was over. It was four 0 in aggregate. They they scored another one. Uh, Perez again popped up, scored another one four 0 in aggregate, and that sent the Spanish side through. Not um, bad. Yeah. Look, I mean, no shame in losing four 0 to Real Betis, To be honest, um, you know, big, big no, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, well, oh, oh, sorry. No, I was just gonna say, uh, Celtic played Real Betis. Oh, what was that? Two seasons ago now in the Europa League. Um, we could beat four three by them away, and I think we beat them three two at home. So they're a very, very good team. Uh, one of those teams that are often don't want to say underrated or anything like that, but you know they're, they're still quite a strong squad. Um, and historically as well, they've always been a really, really good European side. Yeah, yeah. Well, the one player I know from them is Joaquin, of course. He used to be oh. a standout player from... Uh, still playing. Is he still playing? He was definitely playing think, last year, wasn't he? I think he retired at the end of last season. I think I remember yeah. seeing a, a video about it. But see, for a 38, 39-year-old, he was running rings around us, man. He was absolutely... Yeah, yeah. Unreal player. And, of course, Real Betis were actually founded uh, by... No, I don't think they were founded. They won their first ever La Liga, uh, an Irishman. Um, really? Yeah, his name was uh, Patrick O'Connell. The, the man that uh, saved Barcelona, that's credited for saving Barcelona, won the first ever La Liga, and that's why Batiste wear green and white, and they still call him Patricio. Uh, I think they have a, a sta- uh, either a street named after him or a, or a statue of him uh, outside okay. the stadium. So uh, a bit of a noise connection there with Real Batiste, uh, which is always nice to hear. 
Um, but um, back to domestic matters, and the 97-98 season was somewhat forgettable one. The club managed to finish uh, 10th. And... Um, well, they were knocked out early in the in the cup, so there was no way uh, towards success of uh, cup final for them. Uh, 98-99 season was where they were relegated after finishing 17th out of 18, winning only seven games all season. So they went from playing Real Betis and then two seasons later they're relegated. It really, really is uh, a fast... Life hits you fast when you're a football club, really, doesn't it? It's one of those kind of moments. I suppose this, it, see, looking back on, on reading the chapter now, this to me seemed like the start of their downfall. It wasn't immediate, but, uh, you know, it was it was a little bit of a slow burner in, in some ways, but this is when, in my mind, it seemed that things started to go downhill for them. Yeah, uh, I mean, they didn't even compete in the, in the second tier. They didn't appear in the Hungarian Football League system until 2002, 2003. So you're talking about for a three-year hiatus uh, where they kind of disappeared um, and they reappeared back in the Nemzeti Ban, uh, Banjok we'll just call it the MB3 because <laughs> it's just easier to call it that um, <laughs> that season they saw they finished seventh but found themselves getting promoted to the MB2 um, they finished 15th in 2003-2004 avoiding relegation however football within the sports club ceased its operations and BFFC were no longer present in Hungarian football a club that had only a few years before competing in European competition playing against Spanish Giants Real Betis were no more um, well that is until a decade later so they disappeared yes. for 10 years and then they came back um, yes. in 2012 um, and they decided in 2012, after 10 years of just not competing, um, they decided to come back as BF or BVSC, um, and they started a men's senior team once again, competing in the Budapest uh, La Durugo Soviet League, which I can only assume is a regional league or a lower league in yeah. Budapest. And I'm, I'm quite interested, do we have a reason why they decided to take a break for 10 years? Because that seems like quite a long time. Was there anything that preceded their collapse? Any reason that preceded them uh, deciding not to play anymore? Did they cease operations? Did they just go down to amateur? Do we have a anything on that at all? No, they, they, so they were a, a sports uh, kind of uh, organisation. So oh, yeah. when okay. they got relegated from Hungarian Premier, I went into the kind of they disappeared for three years and then decided to come back into the third division and then they got promoted into second division and then just narrowly avoided relegation and um, in my research it just seemed like they went oh here what's the point <laughs> well yeah. you know we we can't put any money into this anymore Um, around 2003 2004 and it just they obviously the organization said right we're just going to put our money into other areas of the the sports organization football yeah. took a hit as, as we've seen happen in other sports organizations um joker it was one where they decided to concentrate on hockey instead of the football um, of and other scandinavian outlets who, who've done it um, and other european outlets that done it as well um, yeah. so okay no that, that's fair enough I, I was just curious um it just seems like a uh, an interesting decision to say the least but um, I mean, obviously they they ended up coming back. They obviously now don't don't get me wrong. I've said on this episode before, and I've said it on other episodes as well. With a club going through so many name changes and and with this kind of being the area of of heritage that I'm most interested in, 
they they could not have been able to keep any form of consistent identity or fan base because of that, surely. Yeah. Um, I know maybe after a set amount of time, there's still some attachment, but it's it's constantly shedding and recycling your name, your badge, uh, your colours maybe as well. Like it's it's it just seems like it was always going to be a recipe for disaster in one way or another. And I think we talked about it when we done our, our episode on Apoc Kinaras as well with, with John um, and Cyprus, where, where teams are constantly doing that and they're constantly refounding and they can't build up fan bases because the, the fans are just so used to them constantly going under that they would rather just support a stable team. So, you know, it, it's always something that comes to my mind when there's a team like this that go through names constantly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. I mean, as I said, they did come back uh, 10 years later, uh, yeah. 2012, yeah, yeah. Uh, the 18th of July, and they started down in them regional leagues. Um, in their first league, uh, they actually uh, they, they won it. Uh, amazingly, uh, they scored 123 goals in 26 games. That's so, insane. Right, yeah, hold so, on, I'm going to do some some quick math. So, uh, what's that, 123? By 26. By 26. That's an average of 4.7 goals per game. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, so uh, they went up to the MB3, uh, which is another amateur regional league. Um, so not the N, the MB3. The M, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. M for mother or mother well. We'll say mother well. Um, so that's another. So they went up to that in 2013 14 and won that league too, getting back-to-back promotions. So now they're in the, uh, the MB2 league. Uh, and the pro- progress stopped for a few seasons then. Uh, they kind of finished sixth in consecutive campaigns, then fourth in 2016-17, before going one better in 2017-18 by finishing third. Uh, it was only a matter of time before they would gain promotion to the MB1, uh, which is, in my knowledge, is the top amateur league in um, Hungary. And in 2018-19, that's what they did. And they scored 112 goals, conceding only 12 goals in the process. Now, I don't know how many games they played that year. I think it probably would have been around 26 as well. Yeah, I think so. Well, listen, I'm saying I think so. I have absolutely no idea, but (laughs) you'd assume. But uh, being in the MB1, that means they're one league away from the professional league. So they're basically in the national league here at the moment. Yeah, Uh, okay. So they're in the National League um, and they're one league away from the Hungarian Professional League. And in May 2020, the club achieved promotion again and we're back playing in the NB3. So they're back in the uh, November, or it's called the Nemzeti Benzozozag 3. I have butchered that name. I would say that all day long, but anybody who's listening to me will know. Uh, Anybody who's read the book will know what I'm talking about. Um, that season, unfortunately, obviously, what happened in 2020, we all know, COVID hit, everybody's kind of sitting in their houses, football is only played in Belarus, and we're all watching Belarusian, Russian, or Belarusian football, because um, it's the only sport we can watch, or we're yeah. watching Premier League years on Sky, um, or you're watching that eSports stuff, I remember watching that for like, maybe 30 minutes, and kind of going, what, what have I done with my life? Um, I think one of my friends managed a, a Belarusian team on Football Manager. Um, okay. that their, their top division is called the Highest League or something, which I think is really cool. Um, it's a bit different, but yeah, it's, it's not a league that I can say I've ever paid any form of attention to. <laughs> no, no. Um, 
that season uh, wasn't, as I said, it was unfortunately stopped by COVID. Uh, however, it didn't disrupt the, the club's ambition to try climb the Hungarian football ladder. And they just narrowly missed out on promotion to the MB2 in 2021 season when they finished second uh, in the Coletti. Uh, so kind of, um, kind of like a, a, a group stage, if you like, that was set up, I think. They they kind of abandoned the league system and kind of done a kind of a, a kind of group thing to see if they get people promoted and uh, and uh, and stuff like that. Um, okay. unfortunately, only one club gets promoted from each of these groups, and Budapest, the VSC, as they're known now, so they're not known as B VSC. They're known as Budapest. VSC instead of BVSC. Look, I don't know anymore. <laughs> I honestly don't know anymore. Um, uh, they they were beaten to that spot uh, by a club that called the Zakekski. Uh, and as I write, as I write in the book, uh, back in twenty twenty two, I was writing about them. The club are still aiming to get back into the uh the NB two. So they're still. I think they're still at the moment playing in the NB three which is the lower, lower professional league of Hungarian football. But that is the story of uh, a Hungarian football club with many names, I suppose you could say. Yeah, Budapest VSE, BVSE, you name it, man. Um, Just from what I can see here, it looks like they're still playing in the Nimzeti 3, I think. Yeah, um, that's exactly where I left them off. No, I, I actually, sorry, they're, they're in the two now. In oh, the they two. got promoted then. So they got promoted, according to Wikipedia. Could be wrong. <laughs> now, are they still called? What are they called? Uh, Budapest VSC. Oh, here we go. Um, really, really, really interesting club, man. And, um, I think because when I seen it and when I started reading the chapter, I thought it was a bit daunting at first because of all the name changes and I was like, oh God, this is going to be really, really, really difficult to follow. But... I think they're, as I said earlier, I think they're a really good insight into how um, football clubs use their identity and, and how that can affect the identity of fans. And there's definitely room for further studies within that, um, I think is something that would be really interesting. So, yeah, no, it was a great chapter all around. How did you find writing and researching it? Was it quite difficult? Was it okay? Um, it was interesting, uh, to say the least. <laughs> uh, it, it took a, a while. Uh, it is one of the longer chapters, but simply because... There was so so many name changes, but it was they weren't included because of that. Because I felt it was an interesting aspect of how football clubs, like you said, can lose their identity and and because of that lose their fans and lose themselves really. Um, and it's one way that a club can can you know go bust or go defunct. Like I mean, yeah. I I I I pinpoint each club and try to pick out original clubs or like. You could pick out 50 clubs that just went bust because of financial reasons or because of rogue owners or, you know, the usual kind of lack um, that happens. But uh, with Budapest, it was more of uh, they just couldn't find an identity um, or no. they couldn't find a, a name for themselves. Despite getting to two cup finals in a row uh, and playing Real Batiste, they just seemed to not be able to hold on to whatever. Um, there's no indication that it was it was because of an owner. Um, there's no indication that there was a lot of squabbling going on in the boardroom. I, I couldn't find any research on that. Now, I could be totally wrong. Uh, if I missed out on that, I do apologise. But in the end, it just seemed like they just wanted to keep changing their name. And it, it became a kind of, a kind of, in a way, that became their kind of identity. 
uh, being the yeah. club that changed their name all the time. Because uh, I don't know any other club off the top of my head that's ever changed their name that many times. Oh, I know it's not that many times. I mean, I know obviously Jiangsu Sonning, who we covered. Yeah. Um, they changed their name quite a few times. Um, not as not as many as 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 VSC Budapest or or um Budapest VSC as they're called now. Um, I'm trying to think. Jiangsu Sonning. I feel like there was a club recently that we covered who also changed their names quite a bit, but it's evading me, to be honest. They're, uh, they're probably the second most confusing club that I covered in the book. The most confusing club is yet to come, uh, which is that Turkish club, which we will do. We will do that story. Uh, so excited. I'm so excited to do that because that that's that's I think that that's my favorite chapter in the whole book just because it was of a it, mental, it. mental story. Was it someone was telling us recently that someone someone else done that quite recently as well? Oh, who was it? It was um yeah when we were speaking with Adrian from the Think Cats on the Power oh, yeah, yeah. Uh But the other club that that came to mind that changed the names quite a bit for different reasons. Obviously, this was because of mergers with Racing Club Luxembourg, who obviously we covered in our last meeting episode. So, um, those are the ones that come to mind. I can't think of any others who who have changed the names quite as much. No, no, uh, definitely not. Twelve times. Twelve. I think Budapesti. Uh, we'll we'll just call them Budapesti. Um, and I think they done it twelve times. I think now a lot of their names are the same, but they just changed it, changed it, and then changed it back. Um, but it's still a name change. But it is something that we will ask our um our followers and stuff like that. Uh, is it something that? would put you off following your football club if there was a name change, even to the extent of, say, Celtic, if Celtic turnouts called themselves Celtic United or something, something mad mm. like that. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I think, and in my opinion, obviously the followers will, will say different, and maybe this is something that, that we can include in the poll. I think if it was something small like that, I would say, okay, it sounds daft, but it's not a, it's not like a, dr- a dramatic change. It's not something huge. Um, if they maybe just tacked like one of those common names at the end of it, but if they changed it to something else, then like something else completely, like if Celtic decided to change to I don't know Parkhead FC, for instance, um, they did used to be a Parkhead FC, but the they were unrelated, um, then I think that would that would raise a few eyebrows for sure, and they'd mm. they'd lose a few fans because of that. Um, or if you know Rangers wanted to go for like Govan Football Club or something along those lines. Mm. Obviously just linked to the areas that they're from, which is fine, but it means that they've not built up the same uh, kind of foundation for being there for a long time. Their names are their names for a reason and they've never changed, but uh, really interesting question. Quite excited to see what, what different people think. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But um, they're the two clubs that we covered today, uh, the Polish club and the Hungarian club. Two Unique clubs in themselves, uh, with two unique stories, very difficult to follow. Uh, mm. I know that when people read the stories, hopefully I, I've done it justice in trying to tell the story. Um, I haven't had any complaints, to be honest, so fingers crossed on that. Uh, but if you listen to the podcast and you've only heard about these clubs, uh, thank you for, for continuing to follow that because it was quite difficult to tell. Um, if you really want to know, you can always buy the book <laughs> and read it. That, that's a selfless plug by myself there but uh, no look um, they are two interesting clubs uh, who both um, you know give a different aspect of what it is to be a forgotten football club 
Yeah, that's it. We've we've covered a couple of bases here. Obviously, um, Plesia Polonia with the merger and then demerger covers a few themes in in terms of identity as well. Uh, but then obviously Budapest with just picking a new name every year, maybe out of a hat. Um, so yeah, covered 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 some interesting themes. Um, with this one, I think that's why I wanted to put these two together because they're kind of similar thematically but they both have different stories and it's for different reasons so I, th- I think we can go into it quite a bit with that yeah big time big time yeah that'll do us for this week yeah I think so I think we've uh, we've definitely exhausted ourselves with that one <laughs> um, I mean yeah. we're gonna have to have like an absolute like you know a, a, a three week break before we get to that other club uh, we won't give it away um, but uh, to get to that other club I'm gonna have to get my mind really ready for that one yeah i really want to do a good bit of research on that and we'll hopefully be getting an interviewee for it as well we've been searching about been quite difficult mm. anyone knows any historians on turkish football or any turkish football fans who might have who might know this team please uh let them know to get in touch with us we'd love to hear from them um in fact we would really really like to hear from them mm. uh, but we'll keep looking because that that's going to be a big episode it's one that we're both really looking forward to yeah but that'll do us for now Thank you very much for listening. If you've made it this far, you can check out uh, Lesia Plonia Gdansk and the Budapest VSC in Phil's book. Uh, if you haven't picked it up already, please do. It's an excellent read. Really good sort of uh, entry-level sort of study into lost football clubs, different history around them and the different things that it means when, when they go defunct. And just some really good storytelling as well, some, some really good tales in it. So please go and pick that up if you haven't already. Hopefully the podcast complements your reading to that. If you haven't already as well, give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram. You can check us out there. We're we're putting up posts quite a bit now, just kind of talking about some of the clubs we've spoken about in previous episodes and uh, having some good chats with people as well over the last week. Some A lot of the pictures they've shown us and, and things that they've been doing, so that's always been fun. If you want us to cover a particular club or topic, then just message us. Uh, Phil and I check the Twitter quite frequently, so we'll aim to get back to you within the hour if it's not a busy day for us um so please come and get in touch with us if you'd like to do it and of course you can check out our link tree for all the other content that we're putting out at the moment in terms of myself and phil but in terms of the bloggers as well just a quick note on our blog before we finish up for the night we're currently not putting the blog on hold it's currently uh, on pause for now uh, just because we're, we're making some changes to the website and the layout and how it looks um once we've gotten over a few uh, logistical things shall we say um we'll get that redesigned and we'll get that back up as soon as possible because um we now have a backlog of things that the bo- the bloggers have sent through so uh we'll aim to get that back up and running for now but at the moment it's currently down so uh we'll have stuff back up for you now anything else you want to add phil uh, no no i think you've covered it all um just uh excited to get this one done yeah, I'm, uh, I always make sure that the advert at the end is done, so I always double-check with you to make sure I've got everything. Yeah. But uh, for us this week, good night. Thank you very much for listening again. Phil, say goodbye. Good night, everyone. And we'll see you all again next week. Bye-bye.